Cassius Perrata, where we take just 10 minutes to get you smarter on the collision of tech, business, and politics. I'm Dan Permack. On today's show, the worst jobs report in U.S. history and the future of offices. But first, junk mail. So this week, President Trump announced that a North Carolina businessman named Louis DeJoy will become the country's next postmaster general, which means he'll run the U.S. Postal Service. DeJoy will be the first person to hold that position in more than two decades who doesn't have any direct U.S. Postal Service experience, and his appointment comes as Trump has escalated his criticism of one of America's longest-running institutions. So what to know about Louis DeJoy? First, he is a major Republican Party donor and years ago ran a package delivery business that's now known as XPO Logistics. So he was a major USPS customer, even though he wasn't inside the service. Also, DeJoy's wife is Trump's ambassador to Canada. What to know about the post office? Well, it has warned it could run out of money by September due to the pandemic, estimating a $13 billion fiscal year shortfall. It has asked for a federal bailout, but Trump has threatened to veto any coronavirus legislation that includes new money for USPS. And that brings us to what to know about Trump. He believes that the Postal Service is subsidizing Amazon, with which he has a running feud, seemingly due to Jeff Bezos' ownership of The Washington Post. Now, Trump has claimed over and over that every time they bring a package, they lose money on it. But Trump's claim here is simply untrue. By law, USPS is barred from charging package delivery prices below what it costs to fulfill them. So at worst, the Postal Service is breaking even on Amazon and other e-commerce. The bottom line, lots of Americans and American businesses rely on the U.S. Postal Service and have never before considered that it could disappear or be significantly diminished until now. So let's go deeper on this with Lisa Ryan, who covers the federal government for The Washington Post. Lisa, if the USPS can't lose money on package delivery by statute, why has it been in such fiscal troubles even before the pandemic? The Postal Service just, you know, has really not found a path forward in the digital age, right? So this has been for 10 years since people have stopped mailing letters and other first-class mail. You just have huge losses for this agency, but you also have very tough union contracts, and it's been hard for the Postal Service, for example, to cut service, to go to five-day delivery, right, which would save a lot of money. But in recent years, they've found a really profitable area in package delivery. And we all know, you know, Amazon delivers packages, Walmart does, Target does. I mean, there's so many ways that people are benefiting. But the package revenue, even before the coronavirus, was not able to stanch the losses in first-class mail. So then the virus comes along, and you've got what the Postal Service has said is almost a third decline in package volume. So Trump has gone after Amazon and said they need to raise package prices. This would cause deep problems because it would really undercut their revenues. So Trump wants the Postal Service to raise prices on Amazon, for example. Amazon is a very wealthy company. Couldn't it afford added prices if it would essentially subsidize the Postal Service? Trump is wrong about them losing money on every package. Is he wrong about the idea that USPS should be raising the prices on packages? Well, it sort of depends on who you talk to. So what happens is that the Postal Service has what are called negotiated service agreements. These are basically contracts with Amazon, with FedEx, with UPS, with other package deliveries. These are all for proprietary. They're all private. So we don't know exactly what they charge Amazon. But postal regulators have approved all of these agreements with Amazon and the other delivery companies, third-party shippers, and said that they do cover the Postal Service's costs 
I understand these are privately negotiated, but at least for the next round of these agreements, wouldn't it serve just from a PR perspective or political perspective, the USPS, wouldn't it serve it well to make those contracts, if not public, at least reviewable by legislators, elected officials, the folks who are making the statements public? I think the idea is that, you know, in the business world, I mean, you can't because these contracts have proprietary information and Amazon and its competitors, you know, by law, they don't have to reveal information about their own costs, about how they handle, you know, different postal rules in different parts of the country. So those rates just by law are not going to be you know, revealed. Now, what's happened is that Treasury Secretary Steve Mnuchin has long argued, and there was a 2018 task force that he had assembled at Trump's request to go over some of these issues, you know, like what are the labor costs that the Postal Service has? You know, how can it save money? And one of the issues that came up was how the Postal Service basically determines its costs in terms of its negotiations with these package companies. It's very complicated and arcane, but the argument of this task force was that the Postal Service was basically saying that it was covering its costs in a much lower way and that it was improperly accounting for what its true costs were to deliver a package for, say, Amazon. This has been an area of big dispute. But here's the thing, Dan, I would say is there's just no way that anyone could survive if the Postal Service were forced to raise its package rates by 400%, which is what Trump said two weeks ago it should do. When you say nobody, you don't think Amazon could survive that? They've got some pretty large profits. Right. So I think the issue with Amazon is that it would just stop relying on the Postal Service. There's this argument, and, and I know it is, uh, it's a political argument, but there is an argument that says, look, lots of us are now getting our last mile delivery, the stuff that's coming to the door via Amazon, via FedEx, via other you know, smaller local couriers. From your perspective, what's the argument for why the Postal Service is still required today? I, I'm not saying you could turn off the spigot immediately. Obviously, there'd have to be a transition. But why can't these companies handle the local delivery at this point? Well, the reason is that the Postal Service, just because of its mandate for universal service delivery, that's what in 1970, Congress said, okay, Postal Service, you're going to have a monopoly on mail delivery to the entire country. But you have to go to every home in America, which, as we know, this is why the Postal Service is so beloved, right? especially in rural communities. But it's not profitable for FedEx, UPS, and even for Amazon to do that so-called last mile of delivery. And so the Postal Service is already going to these homes in Wyoming and Montana that rely more than ever in the pandemic on deliveries, but also rely on deliveries of prescription drugs and other you know, crucial things that they're not going to drive 50 miles to get. So the problem is that they're already going to these addresses. And so this is where the Postal Service you know, makes money on its arrangements with Amazon. But Amazon is very busy delivering its own, you know, logistics fleet and it's got warehouses that it's delivering. And, you know, a lot of people have said that Jeff Bezos anticipating this kind of showdown with Trump, right, is already building its own sort of logistics system. So the idea is if you raise prices 400%, you know, for Amazon and other e-commerce companies, they're working hard because they are both suppliers and retailers, you know, to build their own delivery mechanisms. And so that's why this would hurt the postal service. Final question for you. Trump, as we said in the open this week, named a new postmaster general, Louis DeJoy. What, if anything, do we take away from this? All these discussions we've talked about, you know, negotiations with e-commerce companies, maybe even this, this concept of mail-in voting, which has become a hot political topic. What's the big takeaway from him naming LaJoy, who does not have any experience historically within USPS? He will be very tuned in to what Secretary of the Treasury Steve Mnuchin wants the Postal Service to do, which is to drastically cut costs 
especially labor costs, and also to, as we've been talking, to raise package prices in some manner. We don't know what that is going to look like, but I think we should very much look for, especially the terms of this $10 billion line of credit that the Postal Service was awarded by Congress in the last stimulus bill for the coronavirus losses that it suffered. We should look for very tough terms if the Postal Service is going to take advantage of that line of credit. Lisa Ryan of The Washington Post, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Dan. My final two right after this. Axios gives you the news and analysis you need to get smarter faster on the most important topics. In our unique Smart Brevity format, we cover topics from politics to science and media to tech. Subscribe to get smarter faster at signup.axios.com. And now, back to the Pro Rata Podcast. Now it's time for my final two. And first up is the devastating April jobs report, showing that the U.S. economy shed 20.5 million jobs and that the unemployment rate skyrocketed to 14.7%. Why it matters is that this is the worst jobs report in U.S. history by a lot, reflecting that a decade of jobs gains since the great financial crisis have been completely erased. More importantly, it doesn't look like the contraction is even close to over. Remember, this report only includes data through mid-April, which means lots of stuff isn't being included yet. So for example, take a look at local governments, which shed 800,000 jobs, which is a ton. But a lot of local governments didn't really start cutting or making cut plans until they got their April tax revenue data, which was awful. So expect the numbers to get worse in May. And then there's PPP, that program that's designed to let small businesses keep people on payrolls. Those loans, well, they start to expire at the end of this month, which means we could see more and more people lose their jobs. The bottom line, expect downward revisions and more bad news in the May numbers. And finally, commercial real estate giant Vernado yesterday said on an earnings call that it doesn't believe, quote, work from home will become a trend that impairs office demand, end quote. Now, obviously, Vernado is taking a long term uh, self-interested view here, but whether it's right or wrong is really one of the big open questions of this crisis. Not just about the office work versus work from home, but related issues like business travel, which supports industries like airlines, restaurants and hotels. Obviously, all of us want to go out again once it's safe, but there may be lasting behavioral impacts beyond just bumping elbows. The other night, I spoke with a private equity investor who says he spent most of last year on the road, and he told me, quote, there are certain things I have missed that are valuable, like networking events. But in general, what I've learned these past couple months is that the old way of doing business wasn't necessary. And we're done. Big thanks for listening. And to my producers, Tim Shovers, Naomi Shaven, have a great Mother's Day weekend. And we'll be back on Monday with another Pro Rata Podcast.